0: Good, man, good. I can, the, the holiday spirit is in the air. I'm feeling it. It's, uh, it's good. And sickness is in the air, so everyone's out sick, which is uh, feeling that too. Um, great to see you guys. I want to talk to you today about two things. One is a thing that you probably are, but you think you're not. And the other is a thing that you're probably not, but you think you are. Okay. So this is going to mess with some conceptions we have of ourselves and it's going to be a little awkward for a minute, so let's, but let's just jump into it. I want to put it up on the screen. This is the thing you think you are, or you think you're not, but you probably are. It's this. Rich. You're rich. You think you're not, but you actually, you, you probably are. And there's two ways to look at this. One is just some objective data, some numbers. So let me give you some numbers. The average income in the city of Richmond for one person is $28,458. So a family, if there's two incomes, double that, that would be a household income. But the average per person income is $28,000. That's that's middle of the road of of just the city, not counting the county, but just the city of Richmond. The poverty line um, would be $13,500. And ninety dollars. Now let me break that down into monthly. So the average income in the city of Richmond would be two thousand three hundred and ninety-one dollars, um, and the average monthly income, if you're at the poverty line, would be one thousand one hundred and thirty-two dollars. Okay, so you go, man, that's that's not a lot of money. Like that, wow, how do you make two thousand three hundred dollars on average? How do you pay rent and get like you think through all the, what things cost and how that works? You go, man, that's that's not a lot of money. But let's put it in perspective of the world. I'm gonna put up on the screen this thing called the global wealth pyramid. Um, it's it maybe a little a little hard to see how it breaks down, but basically what this is showing is income distributed across the planet, not just the city of Richmond. Okay, and a couple of things to notice is that if you make if uh, o- if you if you, uh, if you make over ten thousand dollars a year, so even our global poverty line, you are in the top almost 50% of the world uh, in income. So if you made $13,000 of poverty line of America, you're in the top 50% of the world. If you make over $100,000 a a year, you are in the top like uh, 12, 11% of the world. So when you take um, income in in America and you put it over the entire planet, um, I think you would have to conclude that if you're going to say, where are the rich people in the globe, they're here. Like, by and large, yes, there are wealthy people all over, sure. And there's, and there's a range, even here, there's a range of make a lot of money, make not a lot of money. But generally, as you, if you could look down at the whole planet and go, where are the wealthiest people on this whole planet, generally, it's here in America. If you ask anyone in the world, where's the rich people? America. Like, that's, that's the, the wealthiest... Uh, uh, country. And so we have to kind of look at that. And, and e- because even at our poverty line, we are above the global average. So when I say you're rich, this is what I'm talking about. Like in, in the scope of the world, um, we, we are, are, are wealthy, wealthy people. Um, that's the data though. Let's talk about really fleshing that out. Those are just numbers, dollars, right? What is it feel like? Or what is it like to, to be rich? Well, think about it this way. Because um, we always think rich people do things like they have boats and they have second homes and lavish vacations and eat the fancy food. That's what we think rich people do. And because we don't do those things, a lot of us, we go, I don't, I don't own a boat. I don't have a second house. I don't. Because we don't do those things, we assume, well, I must not be rich because that's what rich people do. But again, globally, if you want to look at it, what rich people do is actually different. Rich people have indoor plumbing. Rich people do. That's, a, that's, a, that's fancy. You got indoor plumbing, you're fancy. In the scheme of the world. Uh, rich people um, have a room in their house that nobody lives in, but it's just there to look nice. That's a rich person thing. No one's sleeping in that room? No, it's just, we just sit there occasionally when company comes over, and they never come over, but it's a room. We keep it looking nice. We vacuum it. It's our rich people room, right? You don't think of it that way. Um, Rich people, uh, they have grass outside their house that animals are not grazing on. Um, It's actually just there to look pretty, and it has to be mowed. That's fancy. You fancy. You got grass? It doesn't have any purpose. Like the origin of a lawn is exactly that. It was for rich people to show off. I have so much money. I've got grass. I don't even need animals to eat from it. It's so nice, right? This is what um, rich people do. Uh, and, and so um, it, it, it's wild, right? That, that, if, if, that if any of that is true for you, what I just said, congratulations, you're rich. Congratulations. I didn't know if you knew that when you came in here today, but you are, like call your mom and tell her, she always wanted you to be this. You'd be like, mom, I made, I found out in church. I found, I got the news. I'm in the wealthiest percentage of the world. I have, I have arrived just like you always hoped I would, right? Congratulations, you, you actually are rich, but that's objective. The subjective side of that is we don't feel rich, do we? You haven't felt rich since you got your first paycheck in high school. Because before that you had allowance and then you went and worked a job and you got $170 after taxes were taken out and you thought you were a millionaire. You're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this money? That's, that, that's what rich feels like. And so we, 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 we don't feel rich even if we are in some objective way, right? Especially in the last couple of years with inflation, right? We're talking about the percentage of inflation and things going up. I, I totally get this. Um, if your income hasn't changed, you're in a fixed income, and the prices of everything keeps going up it's difficult. Your gas price goes up, groceries are more expensive. I, my car insurance went up this month by twenty five percent, and I thought it was like a typo. It never is by the way. Um, I called them and I was like, "Hey um you know like uh, my 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 car insurance is going up twenty five percent like What's the deal? I thought they had discovered that I'm a bad driver and they like finally figured it out and they were like gonna adjust accordingly. He goes, no, no, um, it, it's because, you know, the cost of everything and um, yeah, post pandemic, a lot of people are driving more so there's more accidents. And, and I was like, you didn't lower my bill during the pandemic. So why, what's the, that, that kind of logic never works. But like, you know, it's so, like, oh, it's just generally the cost is going up, period. That's just it, it's just gonna go up 25%. It's not anything you did, you know, whatever. And like, I could switch to Geico and save 15% or more, but I'm already on Geico, so where do I go? I'm like, I, oh, yeah. So, you know, so I, I get it. Like, you know, you can, you can say, oh, you're rich. And, and I'm sitting here going like, I don't feel rich. It doesn't feel good right now. Like they're clamping, it's coming down on all sides. And, and, and even if you walk out here going like, man, I'm rich you're also gonna be going like, I thought it was gonna feel better than this. Like, this just isn't that great. So I, I, totally, I totally get that. Um, but the numbers don't lie. You're rich. In comparison to your neighbors, you may not be, and you may not feel that way, but in, as we look at the whole world um, in, in this country, we are generally um, wealthy. Now that could be awkward for you to think about. You've probably not thought about it that way. Um, but there it is. Let me, give you, let me give you another one. So I said, there's a thing that you probably are that you think you're not, and that's rich, and there's a thing that you're not that you probably think you are. Here's the second thing. It's this. Generous. You and I think we are generous people, because what is the opposite of that? Well, it's greedy, and I'm pretty sure you don't think you're that. Like, I haven't met the person who's come into my office and said, hey, Chris, I need to confess my sin. I, I'm greedy, and I, I have the sin of greed. And I, and I just need to confess that. Nobody says that. Nobody thinks they are hoarding, greedy, they spend all the money on themselves, they're after all the money. People don't think they're that way. Uh, so we think, I'm not greedy, therefore I must be the opposite of that. I am generous, done, good, I, that's me. Because we value generosity and we think we are generous. But if you are generous, there must be some data points to prove it, right? Like, I. I you must be able to produce something and go, I am generous, and here's how. Here's how I spend my time for other people. Here's how I give my money away. Here's how I spend the energy and the things I've been given to pour out for other people. Like You must be able to show something that says that you're, that you're generous. Um, and so my question is, are you actually generous, and what evidence do you have? I'm not judging you. I don't know your heart, okay? Let me just say this up front. I don't know your heart. I barely know my own. I don't know where you're at. I just want you to ask yourself this question, am I a generous person? And follow that up with, how would you know if you're generous? How would you know? What evidence do you have? If you said to me, I'm a very strong person, physically, I would say, can you bench 200 pounds or something? Like, what's the number? How do I know you're strong? You say you're strong, but how would we know? If you say I'm a fast runner, I would be like, is your 40 time under five seconds? Like?" Fast, you said you're a fast runner, what, what do you show me? If you said, I'm, a good, I'm good with my finances, I would wanna know, tell me about percentages. Do you know where the percentage of your money goes? Like you track and you budget and you're, you're very careful. What evidence could you produce that you actually are the thing that you say you are? If you say, I'm, I'm a great worker at my job, okay. Do you say that or is there evidence? Did you win salesman of the quarter? Did, you, did they give you an award at work? Did they compensate you more because they think you're doing a great job? Like what is the evidence that says you are this thing? So if you say, hey, I'm a really generous person, the question I would ask is what evidence do you have that you actually are? Because if you say you are something and you have no evidence for it, you're probably fooling yourself, right? So generous is something we say we are and because it's something we want to be. We value generosity in ourselves and in others. Like, you hear this at funerals. Oh, he was so great. She was so wonderful. would give you the shirt off of their back. I've never seen anybody do that, but we, it's the thing we say. And what we mean is they're a generous, giving person. And we love that. We want that. I want that said about me when I die. I won't be there, but I just want people to say it when I'm gone, like, hey, he was really a generous person. You want that, and you value it in other people. I wanna be surrounded by people who are givers, not takers, don't you? Wouldn't it be better if your friends, family, coworkers were giving people, not taking all the time? Wouldn't it be better if you were a giving person, not a taker, like we value generosity. So the question again is, are you actually generous? Well, let's talk about money for a second. The money spent, you could look at your budget, say this, how much money you made. How much of your money did you give away? There's numbers and data for that too. The average American gives away 2.1% of their income. Okay. 2.1%. This is average in America. So if you just ran the numbers, if your average income in Richmond was $2,391 a month, if you take 2.1% of that, it's about $48. So if you give away $48 a month, you're average. Now, $48 a month giving away can be, you know, they were coming around at work and they were raising money for this kid for Christmas and we gave him 20 bucks. Or uh, you went to the, the, they always give me this, at pet code. They're like, would you like to donate a dollar for the pet shelter? And I'm like, I don't like those dogs. I don't, I, I'm, I'm cold hearted this way. I'm like, no, I'm not giving a pet, pet so, but if you, okay, you round up at the cashier, you know, they're like will you okay so you can get to 48 dollars from 2300 pretty pretty quickly um so maybe 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 that's maybe that's your maybe that's where you're at but if you give away about that that's average i wouldn't call that generous that's just sort of average it's just like what what people uh what what people do now the question of are you generous matters um because it really affects how you show up in the world for everybody. But I think if you're a follower of Jesus, it matters more. It's a discipleship question. Am am I aligning my actions with what I say I believe? I say I love God. I love Jesus. I'm following him. Um, What? What does that look like? Well, God is a generous giver. You see that throughout the scripture. He gave us the universe to enjoy. He gave us all the wonderful things of sunsets and lakes and the trees and the animals and all these things. He gives us all of this for for us to enjoy. This is how he starts creation is I'm going to create humanity and give them plenty, right? He gives us that. He gives us his spirit to live inside us and then eventually he's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth and so there's a, a future plan where God is constantly giving and is generous And this is a great thing. What do do we call God? We don't say God is generous. We say God is love. So this generosity of God is connected to the love of God. God at his core is loving. And when you love something, you give. You're generous. That's how it works. If you love, um, if you're a young man dating this young girl and you love her, you, give, you want to give. What can I give to her? Can I buy her presents? Can I buy her a ring? And we get married. That's, that's a normal expression of our love is to give. When we have children and we go, oh, it's Christmas, I want to give them something. It is an expression of our love. I want to give. When you're out with your friends and one of them says, hey, let me pick up the check for dinner. They are giving something to you and they're doing it because they love you this is how it works. Love and generosity are always um, connected. So if we're going to be loving disciples of Jesus, we have to be generous people. We have to give away our time and our energy and our talent, and yes, even our money. Um, Because when we do that, we are being generous towards God and others, and we are becoming like God. We are being his disciples. Now, when you talk about money, and you talk about God in like the same sentence, or in church or whatever, people get really nervous. Maybe you're feeling that way already today. I understand that, and I know um, coming in here, I'm like, okay, this is a this is a big topic for people. This isn't this isn't fun necessarily. It isn't always easy for people. People get really nervous, and I have seen in this church over the last decade at the times that we were um, leaning into finances and talking about that, um, I saw spiritual attack on people in ways that uh, that. am we hadn't seen before, and there was a tax on the church because um, when you talk about money, people get nervous, and it really kicks up stuff in them. Um, I could get up here and talk about marriages and how to have a better marriage, and you probably would not be rattled. I could talk about worship and what it means to worship God, and you would not be rattled. I could talk about prayer and some strategies to have a more effective prayer life, and you won't walk out of here rattled. You might say it was useful. It was good, but I talk about money, and it's like... uh. Preacher man, how about you go back to the faith and prayer and those kind of topics, right? Like, let's not talk about that. Why don't you stay off of my wallet? Jesus actually promised, and we should know this, he actually promised this is the way it will be for people. Money is going to get us in a different sort of way. Famously, Matthew chapter 6, listen to Jesus teach it. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a, it's a powerful connection. Your heart follows your treasure. Where you put money, your heart will go there as well. And this is why it matters in, in, for disciples of Jesus, because Jesus wants our heart, not our money. That's not the point. The point is our hearts. And there's this strong connection between money and, and our hearts. And you know this. You've probably seen it. If you buy a nicer car, you care about it more. If you have a nicer house, you care about it more. And is it looking the way it should? And is it damaged? And do I need to repair it? Like, these things matter because you put money in them. It matters. If you, put, if you invest in stocks or mutual funds or whatever, uh, you care about those companies. Even if you don't know what the companies do, you care that they do more of it and make more money because then as they make money, you make money. Like you put money there, your heart goes there a little bit Also, you understand this. This is why we, um, if you bet on sports, you're going to care how the sports team does. If you give someone an expensive gift, you care about their reaction and what it means to them, right? There's, There's a heart connection when we spend money. You take your family to Disney World, you will care how long you stand in line because it costs so much to get there, and you're like calculating how much time did we just waste in line, right? Like, It it is a true statement. This this should be obvious to us. Wherever we are spending money, our heart is going there also. And Jesus pointed this out. As you pour money into something, you care more. And I think this is why Jesus tells us to pay attention to where our money goes. Because our heart is going to follow it. So with that in mind, I want you to hear um, Paul's instruction to Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a pastor in a church in Ephesus. And let me just give you just a little bit of context. Ephesus is in Western, they called Asia Minor then, but now it's Turkey. So the country of Turkey in the west, out near the west coast of that is Ephesus. And um, I had an opportunity to go there back in June and last year as well. And we'll be taking some folks from Mary 10, probably go there again in 2024. Um, and, uh, and would love for you to come, come with us. But when you go through Ephesus, which is, I, I believe it's the largest archaeological site in the world, you can walk through and see a lot of what the city used to be. And what you find out, they have like structures that are half done, right, or, or whatever, and then they have renderings of this is how this would have looked. One of the things you'll notice is Ephesus was wealthy. You're like, wow, this is incredible. 2,000 years ago, they had this kind of architecture and this kind of ornate things, you know, like temples and baths and, and, and like theaters. And you're like, this is quite nice, like... So Ephesus had wealthy people and Timothy is a pastor of this young church that has cropped up and popped up in Ephesus and Paul writes Timothy an instruction and he says, hey Timothy, in your church, this is, how, this is what I want you to tell rich people. Listen to what he says, uh, 1 Timothy chapter six, uh, starting with verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Okay, he starts with, as for the rich in this present age, um, this is why I wanted to start by reminding us that in in the globe, we we are the rich people. Because if you don't think you are, you will ignore everything he says here. You'll go, oh, the rich, that's somebody else. That's not me. Read it as if it's us. Just try it. Read it and, and go, okay, what does this say to me? He says, as for the rich, tell them not to be haughty, which is a Greek word that translates to, some, some translations say haughty, some will say high-minded. Um, I think arrogant is a pretty good word. Um, if, you've, if you've got money, don't be arrogant, don't be cocky about it, um, you know, and, and notice, notice where you are. Don't get full of yourself. And I think money can make you like that. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine this week who's a CEO, and he makes really good money, and he said, um, he said I think money, making good money is, is poisonous to people um, if they don't have good character. If you lay money on top of good character good things can come out of that. But if you if you don't have good character, adding money becomes very problematic. And he said, I've seen it go off track for a lot of people very quickly. And he said, also, it's very hard to develop good character when you have a lot of money. And I, I think Jesus said something similar to that also. I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. Um, and this was talking to a guy who has a lot of money. There's something about, um, the, uh, uh, about your heart that can get messed up when you have a lot of money. And there's a... Um, an arrogance that can come from it. You know, oh, you know, I sold so much. I'm, I made money because I work really hard and, and I, d- I just really killed it this quarter and we, we just made a lot. Okay, true. You may have worked hard and you may have sold really well. But a realistic understanding of your situation is you may have sold a lot because you have a really good product that's better than your competitors. You may have sold a lot because the market is what it is right now and your product is needed. Like, there's a lot of factors that go on. You happen to live in a country that financially rewards that kind of hard work, right? We go, oh, I just worked really hard. That's why I made money. I'm, I'm just really good. i I I'm crushing it, whatever. And it's like, look, you probably don't work as hard as your granddaddy did, who, like, got up with the sun and, like, worked all day in a field or a farm or in a factory or something and didn't make near the money you make for sitting behind a laptop four hours a day, right? These are different things. I'm not begrudging anybody sitting behind a laptop. I also sit behind one. I'm just saying, let's have a realistic understanding of all the factors that are going on in the world that allow, allow us to make good money and not get haughty or high-minded or arrogant about it and think that because we make good money, it's because we're just so awesome. It's not true. There's a lot of other things going on there. And, and so Paul says, hey, if there's people that are rich, remind them to not be arrogant about it. Um, And he says, don't set their hope on uncertainty. Uh, 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 Don't set their hope on riches because it's so uncertain. Instead, they should trust in God. You see a big concern from Paul about what what, what money can do to our soul. And when we put our hopes in it, when we trust our money rather than trusting God, the reality is, and he mentions it here, the reality is money is uncertain. What does it take for it all to grind to a halt? What does it take, what happens to retirement plan in your 401k when the economy tanks, goes down, right? Um, What happens when you get a diagnosis from a doctor that money won't fix? What can you do then? Steve Jobs had plenty of money and he still died of cancer. He could have got the best treatment in the world and he did, right? But at some point, all the money in the world will not save you. There's an uncertainty there, and especially, and I think we should know this from the last couple years, it it can be gone like that. The company can have a downturn. There can be layoffs. Um, There are no guarantees. And so the reminder here is, put your hope in God now. No matter how much you make, if you make nothing or if you make a ton, put your hope in God. Not in money. It's not going to save you. So he says that to to them. And then he um, he says, hey, rich people also do this. Verse 18, listen, he says, they are to do good, to be rich in what? Good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, this is what it does, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. There's a lot in there, but let's just unpack it. Be rich in good works. So so being generous is not just money. And a lot of people want to push back immediately. I say, are you being generous? And they're like, well, I give my time to this. That's part of it, for sure. If we're talking about the heart, yes. Where do you give your time? Where do you give your energy? Where do you pour out your talent? Where do you pour out for people that are not you or your family? Where, Where are you reaching out? So it is a conversation about money, but it's not just money, right? Generosity. But a lot of people want to say, I don't give money, because I, but I give time. And I, and I guess I would push back a little on that and say, also, let's talk about the money. Not to say that giving of your time, because there are, there are times in life, and there are seasons, and there are different things you're involved in, where you can only give time and not money. I understand that. But let's at least also have the conversation about money that he tells us to be generous, to do good works. But to also generously give and, and share to, to help out those who are, are in need and not just spend it on ourselves. Well, why? Well, he says when you do that, you're securing a future and you're storing it's an echo of what Jesus says you're, you're, you're storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. Uh, the, being generous actually changes you, it changes your soul over the long term. That sounds very foreign to us because we're, we're accustomed to thinking of money and long-term as something like retirement plans. Like, are you spending all your money this month? Well, no, I'm saving. What are you saving for? I'm saving for um, a couple years at the end of my life where I want to not work, and so I'm going to save, and I'm going to approach those years and be in good shape, and I'll be well taken care of, and I'll have the money, and I'll have, and I, because if I, I put it away now, I'll have it then, and all that kind of stuff. That is... Long-term planning. And if we think longer term, we start going, well, I want to make sure that my kids have something, so I'm going to save money and put it away, and then I'm going to give it to my kids um, when, when, when they're older and, and I die and all that. And so that's, that's the long-term that we think of. And, and Paul is going, think even longer term than that. You have eternity here. You, you, when you die, you're going to live again. And not everybody believes that, but Christians do, that when we die, we will live again in eternity with God. And he says, think the, the long game here. How are you spending money that makes an impact on eternity? What are you doing with your money that helps, that helps uh, people to know God, to grow closer to him, that, that affects your own soul and your character? Um, think, about, think about those kind of things. Giving, um, and, and what giving does, what financial giving does, is it helps us to focus on eternity. So here's the challenge I have for you. My challenge is, for you to think about today how you can give away money. Um, it, it, it really in three ways uh, generously, intentionally, and sacrificially. So, generously first. Uh, when I say give generously, I mean give beyond the norm. If the average American is giving 2.1%, figure out how to give more than that. Because that would be generous, right? Um, Oh, I'm going above and beyond. Uh, I, I can't name the percentage for you, but think about what does generous look like in my context. Um, so, give away, give money away generously. Secondly, give money away intentionally. And when I say intentionally, a lot of our giving is haphazard. Our charitable giving, especially, is haphazard. Uh, Somebody made emotional appeal. I saw a commercial and they asked for this. Somebody at work came by and a friend had to go fund me, so I gave money to that. Um, And those are fine things. I'm not saying those are bad. Um, But but I challenge you to actually sit down with a budget and look at how much money you have and then intentionally give away a percentage of it and go, I'm going to give this money away. Like, period. At the beginning of the month, it is gone. It is going out. I'm not going to eat everything on the plate that God has given me. I'm going to portion these off and give it to others um, as a way of honoring God and serving God and being a, a generous person, <coughs> being intentional. hap Have- are giving to feel good. It's a dope thing. Oh, I gave to that thing, and then they got the thing, and I'm so happy. We meet the goal and, and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of that kind of giving can often feel like it helps them, but it also makes us feel good, so it still ends up being a bit about us. Um, we give intentionally, uh, it's it's a bit different than that. So actually, uh, set aside money and give away, the truth is, someone who intentionally budgets a percentage of their income to give away every month will give away more money than someone who haphazardly gives when they emotionally feel it. Even if the person haphazardly gives has more money. I've seen this, I've had conversations with people about it. Um, When you, and it's, it's like that, you know, somebody can go crush a workout, but the person is going to get in better shape than the person's doing it every day, right? The consistent, sort of the compound interest effect uh, applies clearly to money as well. When we intentionally give money away, we, we will over, over time um, be more generous than we will. And so generously, intentionally, and then lastly, I would say give sacrificially, which means give away money till it hurts a little. This is actually the underappreciated magic of generosity. When we give money away and we feel it a little bit, um, that changes your heart. I mean, how could it not? Your money is so connected to your heart. When you are giving it away, it does something um, in, inside you, change your heart. God wants our hearts, not our wallets. So let me talk about what this looks like briefly at our church. Um, we are going into we're studying budget for twenty twenty three. Uh, in 2022, our budget was about $60,000 a month. Um, we have a breakdown of that, if that's something you want to see. Uh, but our budget has been $60,000 a month, and we have um, had ups and downs throughout the year, as as we all have in our personal finance and all that. We have had ups and downs as the church, uh, but we are, we are in good shape to finish out the year and meeting budget, um, and we have some plans for 2023 of something. Some yeah? and there are opportunities in front of us um, and the reason we're able to have a budget that we've had and the reason we're able to make plans for the future is that people here at this church, people who are sitting around right now, give generously so thank you uh, people here give generously but here's the, here's the percentage that is true in churches everywhere and it's true here too 20% of the people in the church give eighty percent of the money Right, and then the other 80% did a little bit and covered that last 20%. That's true all over the place. It's also true here. So what that means is there's a smaller percentage of the church that does a lot of the heavy lifting and gives uh, gives so that so that we can do what God has called us to do. Um, and 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 that that's kind of how it works. Um, so I'm thankful for the people who give in this church, and I think there's a lot of room for us to grow as as a community. Um, there's a lot of room to push for the mission that God has us on in the city. What is that mission? I mean, you've heard me talk about it all the time. We're, we're here to make disciples. Uh, we're in the city for the city. We want to see things like foster care um, get better in the city. And we want to see single mothers be supported. and We want to see marriages get healed. There's, uh, we can talk all day, and I have talked a lot about that kind of stuff. We all day about the different things that we get involved in as we community who are time, money, and energy together to, 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 to reach the city. Ultimately, we want people to know Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line. We want people to know Jesus and, and follow him. Um, that's, that's what it, it's about. And, and I think if the more people follow Jesus, the more flourishing our city will, will have. Um, and I can talk about that all day long, but I think that actually misses the point a little bit. Um, we don't want to squander money here. We have a financial team that looks at how we spend money and makes recommendations. We have elders who, who look at that and pray over it. Um, but I, I think that actually misses the point a little bit. Um, the truth is that people who give to this church give because they want to honor God. Not just because they believe that the church is getting exactly right and the mission's perfect and it's all going incredibly well. They just want to honor God. People, and this is true of every church I've been at. Give the most um, generously do so because they believe that, that I need to honor God and do this. Not because they think the mission is perfect or the church is just nailing it and it's getting it all exactly, exactly right. So what I'm asking is for everyone in here to step it up a notch. I don't know your financial situation. Um, maybe, maybe you can't. Um, and, and I know there's seasons like that. Um, but I think there's a lot here that we can do that God is calling us to. And so I want to challenge you to give generously, intentionally, and sacrificially here. Most people give online at this church. You can go through your bank or whatever and do that. Um, we also pass a lot our buckets, You we can do it that way too. Um, so let me give you a heads up on this, what's coming up. Starting uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we will start our conversation about Advent. And in the last five or six weeks of the year, we are going to raise money for an Advent project. We've done this every year. This year it's going to be connected to our partnership in Turkey, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But our hope and dream and what we think is in front of us um, for the last six, years, six weeks of the year is we want to raise um, about $40,000 um, to support our, our partners in Turkey and we'll talk a lot more about what that will look like. Um, but here's the thing, if we do that, if we're able to do that, it's because a lot of people in this room stepped up and said, I'm going to give Genesis to help this happen. And, and they're going to be moved and say, God is going to me to do it generously towards this thing. But here's what I, what I want you to understand. We've, we've done an Advent project like that every year for the last 14 years. Um, here's what you need to understand. The reason we can do that, the reason we can potentially raise that money next month, is because a lot of people quietly gave generously, intentionally, sacrificially every month. That's it. That's what happens. We don't wave flags about it. We we'll don't celebrate it. You we know, don't, like, Blow a trumpet or something like look how much people gave and we're not we're not flashy about it it's people quietly generously intentionally sacrificially giving sets us up to be in the position that we can actually do what we're hoping to do for advent so my challenge is to give generously here um to to this church it changes what we can do as a church but I think the reality of it is when we give generously to use our hearts. Um, because of that heart-treasure connection, and it helps us become generous people. It's right. God, this is never never an easy conversation for for folks, for all of us to engage, to think about where, uh, where our money goes, and does it matter more than just money? Does it does it affect other realities in our lives. Um, God, I think a lot of us have felt the pain associated with money, either not having enough or maybe having a lot and squandering it or getting ourselves some trouble with it. Um, there's, there's a lot of pain, a lot of fights, and a lot of broken relationships that are a result of money. So God, we know this stuff runs deep in us, so I pray you work on it. And you help us to have some different conversations about money. Not just the conversation of how am I going to get more, but a conversation about how can I give more, how can I be generous. God, you have a bigger vision for this church than we have. You have um, a broader hope for this city than even we can imagine. And I pray you just use us as one piece of that to accomplish your will in this city, to see more people come to know you, more people give their lives to you, God, do your work today um, in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for you being the generous giver that is our model. In Jesus' name we pray.